Previously on the Indie Corner. Jay White, um, <laughs> who is probably like my most disliked wrestler at the moment, I've got to say. I think he's being pushed way above the level of his ability. I find Jay White really hard to watch. And I've just not got what people are seeing in this. Because Jay White, I am so down on. I just find it the most cringe, unnatural... Um, unorganic gimmick I've ever seen someone try to portray in a wrestling ring but his offence is really boring compare a Jay White middle finger to a Stone Cold middle finger you've got like a badass middle finger against a, high, a rebellious high school shooter middle <laughs> finger right there. He's been woefully miscast in this role, I think. Uh, he's got shit hair, shit nose, shit gloves, shit jacket, shit tights. <laughs> The most wonderful time of the year. G1 Climax 28! Welcome to episode two of the IndieCorner.com's G1 coverage. Uh, I'm Benno, and with me today is JP. We we have no Joe this week. He's uh, off sunning himself. Is it Spain, JP, where he is? Yeah, Toro Molinos. Oh, oh, well, he's, he's getting the best then. He, hopefully he'll be like you uh, when you were in Turkey watching the G1 matches on a beach. Uh, but I guess we'll see. But at least we, we no. got... Oh, is he not? He, no, he's, <laughs> he's staying at his aunt's house, and his aunt has uh, cut the internet off. Oh, no. I <laughs> know. Oh, That's a nightmare. I'm sorry to laugh at him. I'm an arsehole like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, he wasn't very happy about that when he sent a message through. Oh, God. Um, no joke. I, I think he's been perhaps going to places where he can access some Wi-Fi and watching it. He'll, <laughs> he'll find a way. He's resourceful. Oh, it's bad. I was like that when I was I was in uh, Mallorca not long ago. And when I was the resort I was in, the Wi-Fi was terrible. And I was getting in. I was. It was kind of nice to have a few hours where I wasn't sitting on Twitter and I was just properly enjoying the holiday. But those few minutes of Wi-Fi that I'd have when I was in the right spot, I'd be trying to catch up on what the the latest beef was or, or keep up on news and stuff. It's <laughs> it's hard to turn your brain off, isn't it? When you're uh, you're so tuned into the wrestling Twitter machine. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, I I would limit myself when I was away in Turkey for bits of it. And there were distractions like a massive pro Erdogan rally that kind of took your mind off wrestling for a a little bit in G1. Um, But for the most part, it's like I can't you can't do without it. And the fact and the fact of being able to do a shop while I've got G1 on rested up against a, a, a shopping trolley is just <laughs> i'd say it said it last week say it against what a time to be alive uh, that's it's, the dream jp that's the dream it is very much so <laughs> well the reason i bring uh, joe up like i say obviously he's not here but you will have heard his uh soothing tones at the start of this episode nice one to put that together jp it was uh it won't quite be the same this show without uh joe giving us his uh strong opinions uh 
on Jay White, but we'll, we'll try and cover for him. Uh, there's some uh, definitely interesting Jay White moments uh, in these shows that we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about days six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So essentially, the second week week of G1, at least uh, according to our calendar. The plan is to come back next Sunday and then come back the Sunday after as well for for four uh, shows altogether. But it's been well halfway through the G1 JP. I, I've actually felt like it's flew by. There's been I think the schedule, when I first looked at it, I thought this is going to be difficult to keep up with. But having mm. the nice uh, long breaks like we had uh, earlier this week and just the pacing of it in general. And I think gone are the days where, you know, the first couple of G1s that I was able to watch online, at least as they were happening, it was 10 matches at a time. And that was tough. Whereas kind of mm. these nice little easy five match blocks, even when it's a block, which isn't the best. Uh, I felt it's quite easy to keep up with this year. Absolutely, completely with you 100% on that. This is the first year where watching it's been a breeze. Now, it coincides with the fact I'm a teacher, so I've actually been off work. Mm. But the timing of it's been quite nice because it starts at half 10. I think it was half eight one of the weekends. Mm. Um, uh, But uh, yeah, last Sunday. Other than that, it's been really it's been a bit of a breeze. And if you miss the undercard, if the undercards on it, I kind of find it, it makes really nice background noise, even if I'm not paying as much attention to it. Definitely. And, and that's like a really nice precursor into the matches. And generally where they've structured the matches, where they fit in with each other have, has actually been quite good mm. for the most part that you, you've not felt the overload. There's been a couple of days which have been, you know that point where the G1 starts to take a dip where you think, oh, is that happening? But You mean an A block day, um, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I get you mean. Like, uh, I think the G1 fatigue is a real thing, isn't it? Not even when it is a mm. bad, you know, overly Tamatonga, J White style uh, show. When it's I don't know, even when you're watching great matches sometimes, it's it's hard to kind of tune your brain in because you've seen so much great wrestling in a week. It's a nice problem to have, though. Oh, it is absolutely lovely because there's every day there is at least one very good match. Mm. There may not be an absolute worldie every single every single time there's a there's a show on, but it's always been good. And we're going to talk a lot about the story elements as well. Mm. And there is an argument for saying that it does kind of make that next day in, intriguing, and you are interested in the matches just because of the random nature with where some of the points are going. Sure. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's been an easy watch so far. Mm. Um, we're not far from the end. Are we just now we're halfway through now at this point. Literally halfway through. Yeah, we're, we're ten wow. shows in, and obviously that we got the pretty much two weeks to go. Um, that last week looks a little bit daunting with the the final day of A block, B block, and then the final in the same week. But I think we mm. can do it, JP. I think we're going to get. I reckon there. we can. <laughs> we did ma- we did mania weekend, and that was that was hard. <laughs> this is much easier, I find, than the oh. mania weekend. I think it's. I said. To, I mean, I've said to you before with with this. Even if you do fall behind, like I say, it's only five matches, isn't it? It's not the ten matches. It's it's kind yep. of. I can you can find a way to to squeeze them in, and you know the, the temptations there to cheat. I haven't yet. I haven't skipped any matches yet. But maybe talk to me at the end of week three, and we have a, a couple more of these A block days. Maybe I'll have a I'll, I'll I'll start picking and choosing. But I'm trying not to for the purposes of the podcast. So we're getting there. <laughs> um, I mean, before we get into the main body of the show, JP, we should probably talk about the uh, the G1 pickums as we did in, uh, oh. in week one. Uh, Two contests going on, postwrestling.com and voicesofwrestling.com. Thanks to our friends there. We were mm-hmm. both 
At one point in this week, J3, you were sitting right on top of the Voices of Wrestling Pickums. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting right on top of the post-wrestling Pickums, mainly because my name begins with a B, but I'll still take it. I still had the most points, along with three other people. And then now, <laughs> I mean, we both fell. Were you 20th in the Voices of Wrestling one now, something like that? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I'm like, I think I'm two points off the lead. Oh, There's what? like a group of people on first, and then there's like, and then it goes down to like eighth. And then it goes down to twentieth, mm. and I'm and I'm down there, and it's and it's bloody Bullet Club OGs. I don't I hate using that name; it makes me angry using <laughs> it. They've ruined it, absolutely ruined it. I thought because I'd done it with the sort of thinking, ah, oh, they're going to give Tonga a few points, obviously, aren't they? Mm. They're going to sort of push him up there a bit. No, no, he's just getting disqualified or losing. And the thing is, I'm having to watch it. And it's part of me thinking, do I want him to win? And I'm like, ah, oh, do you know what? For the greater good, fuck him. Yeah. He can he can lose. <laughs> um, Especially but, when he's so, costing you points, yeah. It's kind oh, of... It's costing you points and it's painful to watch. It's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not happy. It's a bit like, uh, it's. I think we're getting to the point in the G1 now where some of these matches are so 50-50. I mean, you can have an idea, can't you, in your head? I mean, the one thing I didn't say last week, to give him full credit, Todd Martin yeah. at the torch was the first person to put in my head the idea that he thought Kenny Omega was going to win, was going to be in the winning position in B block. And the reason he was facing Kota Ibushi on the last day isn't so much because it's going to be a decider for that block. It's going to be a case of Ibushi being spoiler for Kenny and then someone like a Naito, you know, ends up winning the group because Kenny loses on the last day. So I kind of had that idea in my head and you plop backwards and I I went through that way. Um, Mm. So I kind of had a vague idea of of what I thought might happen and some of it came true, obviously, in the the first first week and a half or so. Uh, But then it starts to, like you say, you get into matches like... Even things like Mike Elgin and Minoru Suzuki or Bad Luck Farley and Evil. Uh, even things, yeah, Evil and, and Adam Page. Matches like that where it's just like either of these men could win at this point. These There's a lot of people that I've just mentioned there who are probably going to finish right slap bang in the middle of the table. So wins and losses can kind of come and go, can't they? So they're just so, so hard to call. I mean, did you have a, a master plan in mind? Are you, are you expecting anything particular? Is it is it just starting to, to be undone with this OG stuff? It's starting to be undone um, a little bit with that. Also, I wasn't banking on Kenny going unbeaten as long. Mm. I actually thought he was going to lose to Sonada. Mm. But then I also thought he's going to lose. I, I've actually got for... Um, is it Tuesday? No, wet Thursday. Um, I've got Zach to beat Kenny mm. just because I think they might go into the Long Beach show with that as the main event. Um, and th- and that'd be a way of being able to play, try and play into that. But I've been trying to, like I said last week, just trying to work backwards mm. from a Naito Okada final. Um, it is becoming undone, but the, this is the other great thing about this. The unpredictability yeah. makes everything interesting. It, 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 and how often do you get that? Mm. I mean, you look at WWE, and for the most part, you'll know which direction they're going to go in with the odd kind of completely random one that makes no sense happening in between. But here, it's completely up in the air, mm. especially with the disqualifications. That kind of changes where you think everyone's going to end up. And just like you said, it, it's going to end up with a big bunch in the middle, but nobody's going to lose anything by that. It, mm. Yeah. 
That's classic it. booking. Indeed, yeah. Classic Gado booking. That's what he's a, yeah. the, the genius putting this stuff together. And yeah, he's, he's even keeping people like ourselves guessing. So yeah, we'll, I suppose we'll check in on uh, on week three and see if we fell any further, JP. I'm not I'm not confident to rebound it at this point. Things no. are very much going in the opposite direction. But hey, we'll see. Ev- uh, yeah, every, every day is just getting three right and two wrong and just <laughs> going, oh. And I had it dangled in, like you, we've had it dangled in front of us <laughs> as well. So then you start to get into it, and then that hurts. And you just think, ah, oh, bollocks. That's it. I thought I was well in for that eggshells book, but not happening. I'm starting to. I'm just going to start pulling for other people. Uh, Joe's brother, Sam's doing quite well as well. Yeah. Voices, so maybe we can pull for him now. Well, you see, he's he's very much, he loves moving in the shadows, that lad. But he's moving to the top <laughs> of the G1 Pickhams. On the sly as well. Complete. I've been following him on that and how many points he's been getting. So, yeah. Uh, would, don't be surprised if he ends up running through to the end. <laughs> One to watch for sure. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get right into then the the last week that was in the G1. We're going to break things down slightly differently than we did the first week. We're still going to go through our highlights of each day, but we'll go through the B block first, uh, the three B block days that happened, days six, eight, and ten, um, just because we the, the conversation can kind of flow between uh, the major happenings in B block and mainly because there's three of their shows this week, and thank God. Last week was a an A block heavy show. Uh, I'm glad to have a B block uh, heavy show this week with, with three of their yeah. shows. To, to two of A block and we'll get to the A block and we'll get to the Jay White slagging at the end which I'm sure is coming um, <laughs> but yeah let's uh, let's get right into it JP let's talk about uh, day six which was a B block day and uh, let's go through our highlights yeah yeah, the, the first first match that I suppose we should probably talk about of day six. I mean, there's a, there's an obvious highlight in there, a big match that everyone's been talking about. But you know where I want to start, JP? Where I always want to start? I want to talk about Toro Yano. Um, he's yeah. just... Yano has been... I mean, we, we'll get into some of his later matches in, in this second week of, of G1. And maybe he's not quite been up to the standard. But this this match with Kota Ibushi on day six, I don't think I've had a bigger smile on my face at any point watching this G1 just when they were going through fireman's he was trying to do his fireman carry roll-ups early and Ibushi was selling it big kicking out at 2.99999 and just I think Ibushi was well off for it getting into all of the Yano shenanigans pulling off um the 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 pads on the ring posts and just absolutely loving every second of it I just thought I mean for a star ratings go like any Yano match, I'm I'm not going high on it. But as far as enjoyment level goes, I think this was a, a perfect uh, encapsulation of uh, of Yano's G1 so far. It's incredible, isn't it? Um, there was a point when I was down on Yano matches, and I can't imagine the time that I was because he is he is incredible. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not always like this, but the investment you have in his matches mm. is just sort of like another level. I don't know what it is, but like. It's the simplest of things done perfectly well by somebody who is, ah, you don't want to say like, is he the world's greatest comedy wrestler? Because that sounds quite disrespectful to him. Reasonable though, isn't it? I can't, Yeah, I think that's what he's going for. And I can't think of any other contenders. Um, I like Colt Cabana, but I don't think, he's no Yano. Uh, I like Edison, uh, Kikitaro, but yeah, Yano's probably probably the leader as far as I can think. Unless you count Kota Ibushi. Exactly. And yeah, you could tell Ibushi loved it. I mean, and he had the kind of wild ending with him being t- um, him being tied up. Oh, God, but and then, still hitting drop and, kicks and moonsaults. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you watched it and it kind of felt like the Kenny Omega match from last year. 
mm. that he had that I know that some people are really down on it, but like you need this and it was still very early in the morning, if I remember rightly. It's still about sort of like half past nine in the morning. Mm. But it got me completely into the show from that point. Yeah. Um and then led into uh, an outstanding match, match I absolutely loved. Um, it was kind of the, the two different, like I don't know, the two different positives I've found the G One this year. The fact yeah. that you, you can have your your five star matches that we, we'll talk about in a second, but you can also have Yano and Ibushi just kind of giving giving you a nice break for it and maybe making you second guess what matches you know if you, you are someone trying to skip through matches what you can actually skip because also i didn't really i don't think anyone would have called that this was going to be a place where an abushi lost was going to be um it was kind of yeah. like i think that the, maybe the crowd did because the crowd were really every time abushi bumped uh the, the crowd was screaming every time he bumped into the corner when the uh, the cover was taken off the crowd were really into it but i never for a second both that this was going to be a Kota Ibushi loss but it kind of goes to our point that we were saying at the start of the show doesn't it that these losses can come maybe where you don't always expect them absolutely yeah that's it uh, but yeah we should get into the the real uh, highlight of day six that I think everyone would have expected us to go to first uh, Hiroki Goto and, and Tomohiro Ishii oh. uh, I'll give you the floor here JP because this to me was a proper Korokin main event forearm exchanges lariat exchanges i do always underestimate goto but this is the type of match with those kinds of hard-hitting proper heavyweight new japan exchanges that he really shines and yeah i think there were a couple of matches that maybe came closer in week one but for me this was a solid five-star match and maybe the first proper one of the tournament i think so I think it absolutely was. I mean, this is one of the big themes of the week is the week that Ishii has had. Um, this was absolutely incredible. It was like the stereotype of what we imagine Pure Resu to be mm-hmm. um, was all sort of encapsulated within this. The fact, though, that you had them as kind of teammates. So there's that battle of respect and almost hierarchy within the chaos stable as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that, they, that they're not going to... That we believe already that they're going in, going to give their absolute all, even more so because it's their teammates that they're up against. It Goto is a hell of a big match wrestler. Mm. He really is. He's absolutely in, incredible. I mean, and if it's setting up for a never title match between these two, oh, count me in. Mm. Awesome. Uh, I I know I would like to see them have that that kind of a match if they were going to do that do that at Long Beach, announce that on that type of show. I think that would be a good use of them. Like like I say, I I I don't know. I mean, I don't. We went on a week one where I kind of gave a gave my speech for how much I hate Yoshihashi and Goto. At times, comes close in my mind as that kind of wrestler where <laughs> I just glaze over when his matches come out, but. You see a match like this with Tomohiro Ishii, and yeah, it is the type of match that you could even headline a, a US show or, or a show like that and put it on. Because um, I just think it it brings out the best in him. I think they've got so much chemistry, and just they they just I mean, uh, there's hard hitting stuff in the matches as well. But also, I mean, the other notes I wanted to make was that you know when they're, they're hitting headbutts to each other. You can tell yeah. they're pulled a little bit. They're not quite the full Shibata headbutt, are they? There's a there's, yes. there's an element of work to it. There's a shoulder, there's you know, the headbutt to the shoulder, or a, even just a little bit pulled back from Ishii, which I, you know, I'm not the 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 biggest person who critique that type of stuff. I do tend to go by the the logic of the wrestlers' bodies of their own. But you know, if if that was a, a thing that put you off these kinds of strong style matches, I think the the matches are work really smart as well. It's almost like 
I think I think a big part of these matches is not so much how hard they hit each other. It's a bit like the Undertaker Triple H stuff at WrestleMania, where Undertaker and Triple H are those big WrestleMania matches. A lot of the match was them lying on the floor, and the Goto Ishii equivalent of that is kind of you know where they're, they're, they're kind of using the last gasp of strength to keep themselves standing, and they're leaning on each other and using each other's body weight to keep themselves up, or, or leaning on a rope. That element of selling is kind of the big selling point to me for these matches that's a big part of the story it's it's not all hitting hard it's it's the work aspect of it as well yep absolutely and he's saying about the headbutts as well i mean ishii might be the best at those Mm. and i don't know whether or not it's the fact he's quite short Mm. that might help him in that one for being able to pull it Mm. um because like you say as well you remember back to the kind of horrific uh, shibata headbutts and how horrible and queasy that that makes you feel um but it is that kind of build, building people up and then sort of building up the match with these incredible strike duels. Mm. And then they would have the collapse and then they'd just be barely up on their feet. And the entire crowd is entirely with them 100%. I mean, well, they, they were with Ishii, really, mm. out, out, out of the two as well. And, yeah, I, I just... I mean, he, he we have been so lucky to have him in the UK. Oh, God, and. Yeah. Watching this and watching his match with Ibushi made me really excited for the match he's going to have with Walter mm. at York Hall um, in August. And it just makes me think, God, yeah, really looking forward to that. Yeah. He's the man, isn't he? And he can, you know, he made those, he made the, those, rev, those winning the Rev Pro title match mean something. And even in this yep. G1 set, and he makes, you know, just a, a one win like this at two points. You can tell, you know, when he hits the brain buster and gets the win, it means so much to him. The battle wasn't all for naught. He's he's a warrior for a reason, and he's he's trying to pick up points. So yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've heard people lord this match all week, and I can't disagree. I think uh, it's pretty much universally seen as a a close to five star match, and another just classic match from from Tomohiro. Mm-hmm. He's got such a a long resume in these G ones, including this year. And yeah, the uh, the more we get of him, the the better. Um, any other highlights then for you for, for this first day of B Block action, JP? There's a there's a Kenny Omega Tamatonga match in there. That's not so much a highlight that we should probably talk about. But any other mm. good stuff first? Um, I really enjoyed Sonada Zack Sabre Junior. Mm. and um, just Sonada kind of beating Zack at his own game mm. um, using wrestling. I, I, I really I really enjoyed it, that. It almost felt like a rounds match, didn't it, at times where they were like, yeah. they, they'd have a little roll-up exchanges and then they'd, they'd kind of go back to, to square zero and, and start again. I think, and I love that about Zack Sabre's matches in this G1. He's the, we just talked about headbutts, but he's the smartest man in this G1. I don't think I've seen him take a bump since the Kota Ibushi match in week no. one, uh, which is genius, isn't it? If you want to, if you want to keep yourself sane and, and, you know, wrestle at the, the level that we expect, then he's a bit of a genius for that, isn't he? He is. He's an absolute godsend for this tournament as well, because I think for, for everybody else, it enables them to have able to have a, match which obviously they're working hard mm. but doesn't feel necessarily as doesn't feel as dangerous but looks as looks really dangerous mm. it's it's so many sort of different aspects he's juggling all, all at the same time here um i really i really enjoy i really enjoyed this match mm. um primarily and i've enjoyed sonada through like as the tournaments progress as well we'll talk about some of his later matches mm. but it makes me look forward more to that kind of Sonata Naito match and how big that is going to feel. That that's going to feel massive. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, as we as we go through yeah. the week now, the the crowds are really responding to him, aren't they? So yeah, I think there's going to be a, a 
big big uh, response for that match and yeah to definitely make it quietly making a star out as an sonata in in winning matches like that against Zack Sabre you know that, that adds to it yep. you know you mentioned it was in Zack Sabre's style but it was a sonata win one of those coupon buster ones because I did expect a, a yep. Zack Sabre win there but I, I also love you know similar to what we were just saying about Ishii being so happy when he won I love that Zack Sabre was so fuming to lose in his own style as well I think it just yes puts sonata over that bit more uh, any thoughts on Naito and Juice? Uh, loved it. Mm. Uh, really enjoyed this as well. And I've been enjoying Juice throughout the tournament. Mm. Um, and I know the story is obviously he, in terms of, he's he's had a relatively poor tournament in terms of it, um, in terms of the result. But he is so over. Mm. Um, and he's just, honestly, he, he just wears his heart on his sleeve. Mm. And you just love him. He's very likable, isn't he? He's very likable. The stuff with the hand works as well. Mm. I was listening to someone saying it could have been, um, it could have been on the post show. Um, I was listening to them say about how when he does use that left hand, eventually mm. it's going to become an enormous deal about what that punch is going to be able to do. <laughs> um, but he absolutely shows complete heart, and and then you you buy the fact that he could sneak a pin on Naito because he's done it before. Mm. Um, well, so he- yeah. I think that's what they did well here, isn't it? Because Naito, he's kind of been a bit of a sleeper in the tournament because this was, a, I think this was third from the top, wasn't it? But it's yep. not, he's had a couple of matches like this and it's not, it doesn't stop him from going out and giving a, a main event style performance. And like you say, Juice keeps up with him as well. Uh, but I definitely, I think that's a, a strength of Naito that I, I bought that, that Juice might beat him. Uh, yeah. They kind of did a similar finishing sequence to what he did with, with Tomohiro Ishii, uh, with him kind of hitting the half Destino and then the full one. And we got yeah. the Kevin Kelly uh, awesome call again uh, for, for that move. <laughs> uh, but I think, it, yeah, it was another, as much as I like Juice, another just Naito almost feels like he's going under under the radar a little bit, but he's, he, he's picking up these wins and he's putting together these great matches. Um, so he, he's kind of making sure that people don't forget about him, even if he isn't the main story in this B-block at the moment. I agree with you on that. And I think that's uh, that's a very deliberate thing that they've done where the, the block is kind of almost overshadowed by by Kenny and, um, and the Tongans. Mm and Ibushi so they've got these other kind of aspects going on in there and the idea of Naito kind of sneaking up as to what you said earlier on in the intro Mm. the fact that it could well lead to the Ibushi playing spoiler Mm. just to prevent Kenny getting to the final and Naito sneaks his way in there which also kind of fits in with the character it does it does it works doesn't it for kind of the 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 Naito mm. being the heel to take advantage of the the strife between uh, between Kenny and Obushi, and plus it it helped my pick him, so I'd take it if it happens. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> it, I was going to say as well. It's always been said about him. I mean, the the reason why he's called Stardust Genius kind of plays into the fact that he's seen as a genius in terms of match layout. Mm. And I actually think that there is a, like you watch this and you watch the way that his matches build mm. and the way that they they the way and that they are structured, the way that they start off and sort of build to this crescendo whilst at the same time making sure that the opponent is getting those kind of near near four victories as well. He he might well be a genius. Mm. I, I'd agree. I mean, well, we might as well tie in the two subjects really because we've been putting off talking yeah. Tamatonga, but yeah. mean, day eight, the next uh, a B block day had a Tamatonga versus Naito match and they, there does seem to be an undercurrent of, of building an LIJ feud with the these mm. Tongan Bullet Club cast offs. I mean it, I mean on day six I think it was just 
Kenny Omega and Tamatonga, the reason we've left it to last to talk about here is that should be a big deal. That should be a match that goes on. That's Kenny Omega. He's the IWGP champion. And he's facing this person who's turned on him and, and you know, and splintered off from his stable. Still went on second to last, though, because Tamatonga's in it. And it just it just says something about him and this hokey you're stun gunning the ref stuff and Tama getting himself disqualified again. They they think they're really clever with it all and you know you got Tangaloa on his way out, you know, giving smart comments to the commentators about he's he's out there to make sure people don't interfere. Ta- uh, Tangaloa being your your low lighter of week one. Oh. Um the on day six and then bleeding into day eight with the Naito match, this this Tamatonga stuff just it's not getting any better, is it? Well, I was thinking you're blocked from him on Twitter, but it's a pity you're not <laughs> blocked from seeing his matches. The vanity search um, is a very dangerous toy. I mean, <laughs> he blocked me because I basically called him shit. But, I mean, if you're, gonna, if you're Tamatonga and you're searching your name on Twitter, there's going to come a point where if you block everyone calling you shit, you're going to have no results left. Exactly, yeah. It's, it, I honestly thought this tournament was going to be like, oh, right, okay, this is where they give him the big push that could set him up as one of the big stars Mm -hmm. going forward. And I'm not convinced they think the the kind of heat that they're getting, they think is going to really get people invested. Yeah. And and it's not, it really isn't. And this is not just like a smarky thing to say. They're bad, bad matches with shit finishes that people are annoyed at having to see. Yeah. That, that's that's exactly it. I, I've seen people defend it, or even you know some of the Tongans themselves. You know, well, heat is heat. We've got heat, you know. But what what's heat? I'm paying what's, to see that heat. Exactly. What what is heat if people aren't gonna pay to see you, you get beat? Is anybody you know was anybody's paying to see Kenny Omega beat Tamatonga? I'll give them that they are getting reactions in the building, but. That's exact. That's that's my main point. He's getting this Twitter heat. Um, he's feuding with Roman Reigns on Twitter. He's blocking fans. You know, he he's having these terrible matches, which is the main reason that people hate him. At what point does the money come into it? At what point is it like, okay, yeah, I want, I'm going to pay to see him wrestle. I'm going to even want to see him wrestle at this point. There's a difference, isn't there, between, you know, you think of a TV series and there's a villain that you love to hate, a villain that you want to... Sometimes you might support the villain or there might be villains that you can't wait to see that get their comeuppance. is somebody, if he was a villain in a TV show, I just don't think I'd watch the TV show. I think that's that's the yeah. issue, isn't it? Yeah, he is. He, it is. He, you would switch it off because mm. it would just get on your nerves. And it... You said it last week. It's it's like it's the music, it's the cadence when yeah. he comes out. It it's this kind of it, it's lazy mm. and it looks lazy, isn't it? Literally trying to look kind of lazy, but it also is lazy because mm. this whole kind of gang stuff. It's like especially after, and we're not going to touch on it today. Especially after seeing the um, the proper LAX versus OGs mm. um, feud in in Impact. And how like how kind of fun that all of that storyline, that character here is, but this just doesn't the, work at all. They're the real and OGs, JP. Not not, not uh, these pretenders. No, they're not. God, <laughs> give me homicide in there instead of Samatong. I'd be well up for that. Uh, well, you mentioned it there. I mean, the the you know getting into the the second B block day, day eight. Uh, Tamara and Naito were, had their match similar to the similar to the Kenny match, just in. That it was just a match where, yeah, there was heat. Yeah, you kind of 
the fans were into the finish. I'll give them that. The, the, you know, when Naito managed to fight back with the Destino, but the the backdrop was very much the Tongan in, influence and the the building of, yeah. like you say, some kind of gang fight between Lij and these OGs. Just yeah, yeah, just not something I'm particularly interested in. And it's uh, yeah, it's 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 really sour in the, the tournaments, I think. And and sour, you know, it's the one the reason we've gone into so much detail on the b blocks these last couple of weeks because that's where the good stuff is but tamatonga is very much not it he if you if you are short on time it's his matches that you should probably be skipping yeah absolutely i, I would say that this is i don't know if this was the best of the ones that he's had so far mm. um and because of naito mm. um and i did also think are they going back to farley versus bushi at some point which kind of came and went very quickly overall mm. as, as, as a feud between them. But yeah, it, it was, it's just like an endurance test. I was watching this just with the Pickhams in mind thinking I've got Naito to win. I really hope he wins. I'm happy <laughs> that he won. That was like my, my prevailing thought through this Definitely. kind of got, got me through it. <laughs> well, let's talk some of the more positive stuff on, uh, on day eight for the B block, uh, Kota Ibushi and Sonata, the handsome man battle. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of, it's the, it's the ice man, uh, handsome guy and kind of the more emotional handsome guy in, in Kota Ibushi. They kind of went 50, 50 in this one. And I thought the crowds were very much split as well. Um, a match that I don't know on paper I saw other people excited for, but I was kind of looking at it. Yeah, it's a match. I like Sonata. I like Kota Ibushi, but it turned into something really epic. And, and like you say, almost uh, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been getting higher on Sonata this year, just in terms of like the way that he's able to hang with people who do so many, uh, so many different styles. This feel also felt like a precursor to something bigger in the future. Mm. Um, in terms of you could put an intercontinental title in there, and you could build something really good between them. Um, and initially, I thought at one point, is this going a bit a bit too long? Mm. Um, but then towards the the end of it, um, I just started to get completely. Uh, back in there mm. at that point i mean it was it was i think there was a point of counters where there was just everything just it was like watching a video game sequence it was yeah. just beautiful it's kind of it's kota trying to outdo kenny isn't it you know the fact yeah. that i was scratching my head a little bit about i suppose it made sense that this was a main event i think kenny versus juice is a is a big match also but juices you know not on the same standard as Sonata mm. so I kind of understand why they, they tried to go a bit epic and, and went a bit you know maybe went a little bit long but I'm the same as you I enjoyed all those counters I enjoyed them kind of countering the you know moonsaults going into the, the skull end and you know it, yeah. set, using that skull end more as a setup to hit the the, the, the moonsault there the great mutant moonsault and I also just like the fact that yeah it was again maybe not I wouldn't have looked at this card and went, yeah, that's obviously going to be be the main event. But it also gave Sonata a chance to to cut a promo. He he didn't have much to say, but you know it was a nice bit of yeah. bit of focus for him, wasn't it? It is, and and I kind of like what they do with some of these shows where you have so many going on that I think it's nice to kind of test the water mm-hmm. with certain people in the main event. And I think one of the things that they've learned from this is is that Sonata is somebody who you know they like they'll take their time. But you're thinking within two years mm. could be a player in that main event scene, because mm, um, he has a pretty and he has a quiet charisma. I don't know if it's going to sort of bloom from the way that it happened with Naito, who went from being 
dull to somebody I was incredibly entertained by. I even hated his music before and after. And and I think here with, with Sonata as, as somebody who's kind of, you know, shaken off all of the kind of stink of what happened to him when he was in America and the rest of it and, and being, you know, with it within TNA, just dressing up like great mooter to the point now where he he is somebody who you can see him catching on with that Japanese audience, and it doesn't help that the, these two lads are particularly gorgeous. <laughs> we could we could both say that, and we're both very comfortable saying that as well. Nothing wrong with oh, that. Yeah. The year of twenty eighteen, yeah, they're both very very pretty guys. So yeah, uh, I think he's he's definitely someone you could uh, build a nice territory around. Um, sometimes there's the charisma issue, uh, but I kind of mm. like that he's that stony faced uh, character. I think it it works for what he's supposed to be. It is different. Yeah, maybe he needs to. If he's going to break out fair, then maybe you know there needs to be some development on that side. But for his yeah. role right now, it's absolutely fine, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any other highlights on this uh, second B block day of the week? I mean, we should probably talk uh, Zack Saber Junior. and Tomohiro Ishii. Um, yeah, we just praised a lot of Tomohiro Ishii, but again, another match where I think they've had stronger matches. You mentioned him being Rev Pro yep. uh, Champion recently, and then obviously he's lost the belt now. But you know, him, him and Zack Saber had a great match in Rev Pro. This maybe wasn't quite up to those standards, but still great. Still a great styles clash. More than anything, I think sometimes it's actually Junior's matches. I've heard the critique that he goes for a lot of strikes and a lot of limb work, and the wrestlers he's in with don't always sell those strikes and, and those bits of limb work when it gets to the later stages of the match. But you can't say that about Tomohiro Ishii. If there was any ever a man you could trust to sell, it's Ishii, and there is just something about the chemistry of these two that just really, really works. Oh, absolutely. Towards the end, it was like the things that were happening to his arms hmm. um, in the finisher. And you just, I was honestly, I, I found myself kind of like moving back in pain and wincing somewhat from it hmm. just because I was completely sold by the cell job he was doing. I mean, he was absolutely incredible. Um, Joe said last week, Tanahash is one of the, the greatest sellers of all time. I don't think Ishii is actually that far behind him. Hmm. Certain points. He is incredible for it. Um, these two, like so I think the match they had, possibly for the Heat at Mania weekend, would be would be one that I would say was a was above this one, but as a really good G one match and something that these two have made um, this be part, good part of the reason why this B block is so entertaining because it just means that if you've got them in the mid card, you, you're in for generally something fun. Definitely, that's it. They're kind of the guy. He's the guy on that maybe not top rung, but just the the level below, giving you the mm. work rate and giving you the the big matches, isn't he? Um, the only criticism I'd maybe give is that I didn't. I'm not a big fan of him tapping out. Do you know, just for his character, the fact that he doesn't yeah. die. I know it's Zack Saber Junior, so it's forgivable. But I'd almost, I think I might have preferred the roll up here. Uh, it's not the biggest complaint in the True. world, but that, you know, that that obviously Zack Sabre to put the work in, and it was paid off, so it does make logical sense in that regard. But I don't know, something about that stone pit bull, Tomohiro Ishii tapping out that maybe just breaks my heart just a little bit. I I agree with you, but there's always the the reason that's generally given for mm. why people could tap out in terms of the need to save themselves for the for the later matches. True. So it makes sense to tap out for that. Like you say, though, it doesn't it is a little bit jarring with his character mm. that that would be the case. But overall, yeah. like I, I, I can, you know, mm. I'd be happy to watch this many, many times over. Definitely, hopefully in the UK again. 
yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'll be paying for a ticket if it happens. And yeah, if anyone can can sell it in the moment, at least it's always going to be Ishii because yeah, he is yeah. one of the best sellers in the world, as we've just said. Uh, any other highlights from uh, from day before we move to the last B block day? Uh, really enjoyed Juice versus Kenny. Um, I thought that was it was really good fun. There was a sort of really good story about um, uh, obviously Juice had had um, upset him last year. Mm. Um, and so there was the there was the kind of good story about how far has Juice come along, but he's got the horrible record at this point in time. I think he was like, was he zero and six or something at yeah, that point? Yeah, he was. I think he, he was on zero points, and Kenny was on six, which kind of just tells you the the difference in their standards when yeah. it came to this. I think that it's also a selling point for. I mean, I I think the the finish of this was in no doubt, but Kenny again, he's another wrestler who's so good at making you believe a, a guy like a Juice or even a guy like a Goto last week can can beat him at any moment. I think yep. that's uh, some of it is big strength, isn't it, in those finishing sequences? Yeah, he does. He plays into that vul- vulnerability really well, mm. um, as well. But yeah, I I, I re I mean, I really enjoyed it, I, but I've generally enjoy juice robinson the tour i find his music incredibly hypnotic i don't know what i'm <laughs> I, on it, i just have it stuck in my head at certain points during the day um but yeah that was i really enjoyed that um just looking through to see what else there was the uh go yano was it was very quick mm. from from what i remember about it it was just and i think that was particularly because of the go oishi match they would have had two days before it was a bit harsh on Ishii because he had to go out there with Zach again but um <laughs> it was very much your day off match wasn't it for Goto I think yeah. it was the shortest match of the tournament so far and just a just more of your stamp not your, your classic Yano match like we had on the first day this week I think it was just more of a, a nice easy night off for Goto and a good easy clean win uh, not huge amount to write over about there mm-hmm definitely well let's move on to uh, our last day for the b block day 10 um which came yesterday a time of recording i, I mean I, I might say day six has been my favorite day of the tournament so far um yeah. with again the goto ishi match and the the yano abushi comedy match but this day 10 up there um i've seen people a little bit down on it but i really enjoyed it i think the the main match the, that everyone's been talking about and as we've talked about both men a lot there on this podcast uh kota Ibushi and tomohiro ishii again oh god chemistry like like you don't always see i think the two wrestlers who you put them you look at them both you wouldn't automatically go to that would you and think these are two wrestlers that are going to have great chemistry but there's just something about i was watching this match uh, earlier today and both of their entrances kind of came and went really quickly and then the match starters and they're right in it with strikes and i love that dynamic of ishii kind of wanting abushi to bring it for real i think was his words and yeah. wanting him to you know strike harder with him and you got that you know later in the match kota abushi started to, to strike with him but it's just this wonderful clash of styles similar to what we were talking about with zack saber jr it's just there's something about Ishii wanting to be the hard man and have a strike battle and Kota Ibushi wanting to go in the crowd and, and jump off something big. Um, yeah. It shouldn't work, but it really does. Absolutely worked. And it played it played to both of them. Um, it, just with that dive in the crowd, which they just about managed to get some light there for it when he actually did the, the flip off the balcony. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure they're going to tease him doing that at Budokan as well to see whether or not he's, he'd, he'd get banned again. Because mm. I don't know, I'm assuming they've lifted the ban off it. I bloody well hope so. <laughs> um, but 
there were moments in this as well where like Abushi's um, no selling of uh, some of e- of Ishii's strikes. Then there would be the point where um, he did the brainbuster on Ishii, and Ishii just sort of gets up at one. Yeah. And, Ah, oh, and and then there'd be points where he'd be sort of teasing him, like, and he did this with Nakamura in his match at the Dome, where he would just sort of do these kind of like teasing kicks, yeah, and like the slaps. head and body, it's like slaps, aren't they? Um, and it just, it was just brilliant. It was absolutely breathtaking. I think he loves that, doesn't he, Kotobushi? Kind of, they're messing with match structure. You meant you talked about, you know, Naito being a starless yeah. genius and the, seen as a genius with the way he puts his matches together. It's the same for Kotobushi, I believe. Uh, Sonata outright said that in one of his interviews, and yeah, you know, just giving. Doing thing, playing with your expectations and having Ishii be the one to hit the last ride powerbomb or having Ishii, you know, block the Kamagoya with a headbutt and then hit oh. one of his own. You just wouldn't see, you wouldn't expect that to come out of Ishii, but it worked so well. It gave us these real yep. genuine near falls and yeah, just the, the fight at the end as well. Just the fact that Ishii just doesn't want to die at any point. You know, he, no. You mentioned the brain buster. I think Ishii was right up on that one, stood right up, uh, then gets hit with the knee and still kicks out at one. There's no wrestler who does that as well as, as Tomohiro Ishii. It was just that. It was, for me, it was standing in my living room and pacing stuff. It was just a, a match that just kind of. Again, we, we talked about one five-star match earlier for Ishii. I think I'd be tempted to say that about this as well. I, I would do, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go back and watch this match again because it, it was it, it was just amazing. Mm. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, you, you fit a balcony dive in the middle of all of that yeah. as well to boot. It, it, it was, I've got nothing more to say other got, than just pure superlatives about a match yeah. like this. You've got a match where there's a balcony dive and then there's also Ishii chopping him to the neck and Kota oh. Ibushi punching, punching someone in the neck and doing a beautiful balcony dive moonsault probably should be in the same match, but they are and fuck <laughs> yeah. it worked. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, also on, on this day 10 then we should get into the other highlights of the day. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. really want to talk about Tama T-shirt and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, that no. was definitely not a highlight. Uh, again, we, we just we, brought Zack down, didn't he? Just again, you know, not, not to beat a dead horse, but uh, Tama Tonga and his "I'm making money, bitch" kind of catchphrase that he's doing on his intro. He's got mm. he had Tanga Loa playing uh, Takamishinoko and doing his intro and talking about bitch ass hoes and flaming doritos it just oh. i mean that's a a twitter reference for people getting on his back saying it was uh, it was racist or it was against gingers but as a ginger myself uh definitely not offended i can let that one go um i'd just say it's very very lame and he is of just as a wrestler i find them really lame um again if you if you're gonna have a bad match with zach sabre jr then th- there's no real hope for you is there mm. No, exactly. Well, yeah, enough said about uh, our, our good friend Tamatonga for for one podcast. Uh, let's just—it's safe to say we're not fans. But let's move on. Let's talk about some of the, the more positive stuff of the the last day of the the B block for this week. Uh, JP, a match that uh, I've seen people putting on the same pedestal as uh, as Ishii and Kota Ibushi, uh, Naito and Goto. Um, over, Naito going over clean with the the Destino here, and another one of those matches where I was watching it, kind of, I struggle sometimes to buy a Goto win, but again, the the genius of Naito kind of pulled me in again, and again gave a another uh, sleeper, really great performance from from Naito. 
It was. I thought it was a re. I thought it was really good. I did really enjoyed it. I think the issue I had was the fact that it was following that crazy Ishiabushi match. Mm. And I think at that point, there were parts of it where it felt like, oh, okay. Like, I, it just felt very slow at the start of it. But at the same time, um, and I thought it just maybe lacked that, that heat that obviously was there with, with Ishiabushi as well. Um I but I did really enjoy. It. I didn't. I don't think you could put it on par mm. with with that, and I don't think you could do it with Kenny Sonada either. Um, for me, I don't. With the Kenny Sonada match, it was it was good, but at the same time, for me, it just felt somewhat lacking. Yeah. There was uh, there were just stages in it where it it, it sort of meandered. That sounds like a terrible it's, thing to say. It's kind of like I mean if the story is there's competition between Kenny and Kota. Like you say, Kota was on third. Kenny's out, you know, K- Kenny having the, the main event placement, you'd expect his match to be, you know, uh, for it to be equal or better. And I think this was this was a round where, where you could definitely say that the Kota Ibushi won. Um, maybe it's the fact that he's got this ankle issue and he can't go too crazy. Yeah. Still a great match. Still, again, awesome finishing sequence. Yeah. You know, ni- lots of great reversals between the skull end attempts of Sonada and the the one wing angel of Kenny and him trying the the big super finisher and that weird sit out mm-hmm. tombstone he does. They pulled out all the stops and it was great. And I almost feel bad saying it because it was still a great match, but just yeah, not on. On the level of the of the Kota Ibushi uh, Tomohiro Ishii match, yeah, exactly. And, and the great thing was, every time he was going for the one wing danger, was kind of setting him up perfectly to counter into the skull end as well. Mm. So they did that. They did that stuff really well. But it, for me, maybe and maybe it was just sort of clouded by that Ishii Ibushi match. But mm. I kind of felt it ended up kind of dominating so much of I just thinking that was absolutely crazy and had so much going on in it. Mm. That it that it meant that yeah that Kenny would have struggled to deliver. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to have Zach completely playing on that heel in mm. their next match now. Oh, he's that's next what, up, isn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. got to be where that's going. That has to be that, which will be great. And I imagine they're going to start teasing that for the show that's going to be on tomorrow morning. Mm, definitely, yeah. I think uh, after the show, you know, Kenny cut one of his, his promos, and yeah, he was talking all about Zach Saber. He was saying something along the lines of, you know. It, he was kind of undercutting the Zack Sabre Jr. style and you'd kind of saying it's not really, you know, a, a main event style. And I think people were giving him some grief, I noticed, uh, online. But I think that's just obviously going to play into the story, isn't it? Because, again, you know, he's got these walking wounded, he's got this ankle. Uh, I think Zack Sabre Jr. is going to going to make him, make him eat any of those words. Yeah, I hope so. I've got him in the pick'em. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got a vested interest here. Very important. Uh, any other notes on on Block B then before we move on? I, I suppose we should mention Juice and Yano. That was another uh, strong match for for Juice. Another yeah, another and match. He got his win. Made, he got his win. Yeah, that's why it's newsworthy. I think he's like you said, someone who for for kids and just for I don't know. He's just a very n- nice, genuine, light hearted, hearted baby face. And he cut a couple of great promos this week to go along as well. So it was kind of nice. Oh. I, I was worried that he was going to go through the entire block without winning. 
but I suppose when you're in there with with Yano, that's the perfect opportunity to to give him at least one. I think he deserves it. He, he took the match very seriously. I think he even took the cast off at one point. Um, so you've got to you've got to you got to give Juice something. And I think he's uh, even if he's maybe not being given too many wins, he, he's certainly running with this placement and and being in a G one again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was watching a a shoot interview with him on High Spots. It was mm. him and Rob Naylor, and he talks about working the All Star camps for brian dixon when he had those he worked them after his after his nxt release and talking about sort of the joy that he had and that kind of led to him kind of sort of being able to kind of discover this part of himself that's sort of so over the top Mm. and like you say his promos are fantastic they're really good and they're really genuine he's someone who i think i remember seeing kevin owens raving about his promos was it about a year ago yeah. And I remember thinking, really, that guy? And yeah, it turns out he does. It's no, it's no, you know, no surprise that uh, now that he's shining in New Japan after you know being in obscurity a little bit, it sounds like WWE are taking a, a second look at him and, and are maybe interested again. Mm. You can't, you can't really blame them, can you? They, I don't think he'll go there straight away, and I don't think it'd be a good move for him if he did. I wouldn't mm-hmm. blame him depending on how much they offered, but I think he loves the freedom that he has and having been within that NXT system and sort of the character that he has and how constrained it is. And would he be just be going back to NXT if he went there anyway? And so would it seem, whereas, I mean, he's someone for me who, if you're going to do a US expansion, you go all in on juice. And the fact he's gone through that dojo system mm. means that like he's, uh, he, you always get the impression he's earned the respect of the entire roster for having sort of gone through it, sort of young boy duties for a while when, you know, other people mm. released from NXT would never dream of doing stuff like that. I think the fact that he's come this far as well, like you say, going yeah. through all the young boy duties, he's got their US title that they're obviously behind him. Now, it just doesn't seem like the time to leave for me. I think it's the time to see what he's got, give it a couple of years, maybe go back further along down the line. But yeah, I definitely yeah. want to see more of what, what he's got to offer in this, this new New Japan setting because yeah, he's having, despite the, the kayfabe losses, he's having a, a hell of a tournament. Right, shall we uh, move on to the A block, JP? You had yeah. excited. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Uh, some aspects are are okay of this, but Jesus, when it falls off a cliff, and there's one particular <laughs> match where it falls off a very big fucking cliff. Well, oh. we've got we've only got two days of the A block to talk, JP. Uh, but Thank I God. mean, one of my mates, uh, Matty, he's only he's not a New Japan fan. He's getting into New Japan this year, and he's just purely watching B block. And the completest in me wants to say, <laughs> "Come on, mate, just you want to see the rest of the wrestlers? You should watch the A block." But it's hard to to kind of push that right now. Uh, not to say there aren't you know great isolated things, and there are. If anything, maybe if it's not delivering us the matches, it is giving us the talking points with the Okada stuff and and dare I say it, the, mm. the Jay White stuff. But, mm. I mean, we've got two days to talk about, so let's start with, uh, this was day seven, the uh, the first A-block day of this week. JP, the floor is yours. I mean, where do you want to start uh, with this day seven? Um, the one I'd want to start off with on this is actually, funny enough, I'm going to say Jay White, Minoru Suzuki. Hmm. Um, this was... And it's partly because of Minoru Suzuki's kind of reaction Mm. to it that this kind of felt to me where, like, it was better kind of character work from Jay White, if it made any sense. Because 
and we pointed out in the last show the fact of him working as the kind of dominant heel having to work working most of the match mm. being on top i like the dynamic here of of putting up with someone who isn't going to put up with any of his bullshit yeah and that and that for me was enough of a dynamic to keep me interested it's and a- the insults that jay white was calling that things like old man <laughs> yeah yeah i think i, I think it's I'm still obviously not sold um, on Joe White as a character, but this felt no. like a real test for that character, didn't it? It's kind of him being dressed down by another heel. And we just talked about young boys. There was a lot of Minoru Suzuki treating him like a young boy here, wasn't there? He almost had Jay White's like the up and coming heel, and Suzuki had no real respect for him. He, he beat him clean with a gotch pile driver, and even afterwards kind of grabbed his face as if to say fuck you kid uh, after yeah. the match I, I i don't know maybe it's the fact that i'm, I'm not hugely into this this jay white run that made me uh, enjoy that i think it was it I was did. it was a different it's not the type of match is it that you would book but now that we had it i thought it was a really strong match a strong match and a strong i suppose as strong as a, a character match as i've seen from jay white so far yeah it, it what well, i mean for that it's the one that's sort of that and the Elgin matches uh, mm. are, the, are, the, are the two that have worked best for me out, out of that selection. I mean, we're going to talk about another one of his matches, mm. I think, coming uh, in day nine. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> outside of after that match as well, I mean, obviously you had, and this is where the Pickhams all started to go to hell in a handcart when Yoshi <laughs> ha- Yoshi Hashi beat an Elgin. I'll tell you what. Uh, I love that. I honestly, I've got that. I, yes. I think it might have been the match of the day. I mean, I know yes, we, we, we've set yeah. the bar low, haven't we, with this A block. But I do think Michael Elgin's been great. I mean, obviously, there's the real life issues that surround him. And it does yes. feel like there's a cloud whenever Michael Elgin is in the ring. But as far as an in-ring performer goes, these last two weeks, he's been really solid. And I, I don't really tend to like Yoshihashi matches, but... It kind of turned me a little bit, and it turned the crowd a bit. This match, they, they seemed to be really, really into it. Yeah, they really were, and, and they were kind of going along with him. Now, personally, I wouldn't have had Yoshihashi win because I think it would have worked better for for Elgin to kind of be kept strong, and then Yoshihashi. I was always going to think him getting a win against Jay White in order to be a spoiler for Jay White. But it meant so much to him, JP. He was so happy when he, 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 he beat someone with karma in the G1. He was so made up with himself. It almost he, made me feel bad for slagging him last week. Ah, uh, yeah, he did. It's, yeah, but that's it. That's <laughs> that's that. This is the high point of Yoshihashi in this year's G1. <laughs> Elgin, on the other hand, like you say, there's. It's really at times like when you're talking about him, it, it's always like we're talking about the in-ring matches that he has and mm. keeping sort of everything else about Michael Elgin, almost keeping it apart from the, the ring work that, that he has, which is tremendous. And it makes you think that if he didn't have the issues that are going on on the outside, uh, mm. outside of, of wrestling, like this is a guy who you'd imagine WWE would be looking at mm. and well, thinking. It's kind of like you forget, don't you, because of that stuff, how good he is. It takes a match like this where I think I think a big part of Michael Elgin is his timing. I think he gets the Japanese yeah. crowd. He knows his timing on his kickouts and his timing on the big spots. Even a match even in a match with Yoshihashi, he kind of it feels like he picks those spots really well and he knows the audience and he knows when to bring them up and when to take them down and when to give them those little possible roll ups with Yoshihashi. I think he's He's really underrated as a worker in that regard, yeah. despite all, all of that stuff. 
Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, moving on then. Uh, any other uh, thoughts on on this day? Um, Okada oh. Makabe is a newsworthy match we should probably talk about. Okada, our balloon maker, hitting Rocky Ribeiro on his entrance with balloons, and yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> Togi Makabe. I mean, Joe mentioned on the first week that he was somebody whose matches he was looking to skip. He's someone who he almost seems like a stranger because you don't see him in so much in big moments with, with New Japan in 2018. He's obviously around because he's he's so famous to the New Japan public, to the J- Japanese public, as we mentioned on mm. the last show. Uh, it does make it a little bit hard to kind of uh, maybe for a, maybe it's a Western thing to to buy into his matches. Um, but it was it was it was a hard fought match, and it kind of it, at least it continued on the the Okada story. Um, I worry that there's a point with Okada that there comes a point where the character does more harm than good, and maybe we'll talk a bit more about that later. But mm. I, I did think that you know I, I don't have a high expectations for Makabe matches, but I kind of liked this match, and I liked him as the the roadblock for Okada when uh, Okada desperately needed the points. He's a convincing roadblock within the kind of within New Japan canon, mm. um, in the sense that he he has the kind of the things that he's famous for. He does the television show, doesn't he, in Japan, where he plays like a kind of a, a samurai, mm. and um, there's also all the the kind of various commercial stuff he does with the food and and but he comes in, he has his kind of brawling style which works for him. Um, he has his um, German out of the corner and the King Kong knee drop. You know, he, he is someone who has those kind of abilities to put together that kind of basic type of match. And generally, you're never going to get too much out of him. And a match like this, I thought, was kind of fine for what it was. It didn't feel like, I mean, if you were there, if you were getting, if you had a night seven ticket, you'd be annoyed considering mm. what you could have had for some of the other nights. But. Yeah, for me, it was kind of, it felt like where Maccabay gets a headlining spot on a card. Definitely, yeah. He just kind of fills that role, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, it was. It was one of those shows where there's not an obvious main event. I mean, the other two matches on the day, Adam Page and Tanahashi and Bad Luck Fale and Evil. Um, I don't know much about, for you, I haven't got a huge amount to say about Fale and Evil. Um, Same old shit. I feel bad, though, because I I kind of enjoy Bad Luck Fale, or at least I have in past years, maybe the i don't know the acceleration of the i mean the new japan style always been great but the acceleration of great matches does make Fale stand out a little bit i always kind of liked him as as different and being a big man um yeah. and, he's, and he plays spoiler very well doesn't he he, he does yeah but i think maybe part of it is the fact that i liked him so much was because i'm remembering you know the okada carry jobs and the tanahashi carry jobs and mm. maybe carry jobs are harsh because Fale you know pulls his weight in those kinds of types of matches but yeah not a huge amount to uh, to write home about with his match with evil uh don't know if you got any notes on that or the the page tanahashi match no not really i thought page tanahashi felt like a bit of a step down from the page okada match i think it was fine i think this is where the kind of dip for a block has been mm. it sort of came with this card this is the first one that felt like if you didn't see a night of it this wouldn't. This would have been the night that you were going to miss, hmm. to 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 a certain extent. Um, like it felt the first night that you could say, oh, "All right, if I don't, if you don't miss that, hmm. you're not missing anything that would be considered to be world beaters or in the top ten matches come the end of the tournament." 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, unless you're desperate to see uh, Adam Page and Tanahashi have a battle of the very good-looking lads with lovely hair, um, you're not not hugely missing, which I hear it was kind of a... Pages look good, and it's nice to see him getting responses uh, from the crowd, but it was... They love him, don't they? They're really getting into him, that crowd. They are, and I I liked as well, you know, just one note on that match, that Tanahashi kind of gave them that respect nod after the match, which you don't always... Tanahashi being unaffiliated, you wouldn't expect him to do that with a Bullet Club guy, but at least he gave them that. He won quite straight in straight, straightforward fashion with the high five flow. But it was kind of a, a nod of respect there that this isn't you know a tournament for Hamman Page to particularly do well on a points basis. I think he's only on two points uh, at the close of this mm-hmm. week. But he's someone who I think that he's obviously one for the future, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, and he he is someone as well who. If they're talking about sort of Western expansion and going into the States a lot more, you know, you look at him and you look at Juice Robinson. These are two guys who they can have a kind of real long term investment in in order to get out in order to get over with with those audiences. Definitely. Well, speaking of long term investment, JP, uh, the other uh, to take from from this week, uh, Okada and Yoshihashi main evented it day nine. Uh, this is it's kind of, it was kind of cool. Uh, Rocky Romero was kind of on commentary. I mean, outright saying really that Yoshihashi doesn't belong in main events, which was also my thought. Um, <laughs> but also bringing up the history, the fact that you know Okada and Yoshihashi were were two people who you know were expected to be the big stars in new japan and i think rocky even said at one point that he expected uh, that, that yoshihashi was going to be the breakout and he was quite wrong uh, for him to bury his his teammate like that is kind of harsh <laughs> but plays into the story as well doesn't it that, that that's that's just who yoshihashi is in new japan canon but saying that i did think as far as main event Yoshihashi matches go again. Maybe something in the water or in this coffee that I'm drinking. I'm kind of a little bit more high on Yoshihashi this week because another, I mean, we've only got two matches to sample, but another strong match. He's in there with Okada, of course, but I think they, for a main event match between these two, it it probably went as well as it could. It did. Um, There was one moment I really loved where he did the, I don't know if you remember the first match when he came back from Excursion. Yes. And he did his crappier Rainmaker. The sit-down one, yeah, yeah. Yes. Was, <laughs> the one that was never to return after that because of that. It's It's got no impact whatsoever, has it? It's just yeah. kind of like a... But I noticed, it's funny because I hear people, I think it was on Twitter, and I think maybe the Voices of Wrestling podcast were talking about it last week, um, about it, you know, that crappy sit-down Rainmaker. I almost feel like someone's had a way with Okada and gone, you know, if you're going to go all in with this, you've lost it thing, it would be perfect to, to throw in the crappy version of the Rainmaker and wouldn't you know it, in a match with Yoshihashi, who is the person he debuted the move with, they came back. And six years of long-term storytelling a play here, JP. That really is. Now, do you ever think WWE would even think of something ever like that, Very of true. working that into a match? I mean, it's it's kind of incredible. Um, the, the issue I had with this match fundamentally was I didn't think that Yoshihashi was going to win. Like just partly the fact that obviously upsets can happen, but within chaos to have Yoshihashi beating Okada, just it's too many steps up the hierarchical order. Yeah, but, I think I think Okada's losses with you know Okada's losses coming very early in the G1, you don't see him losing again, do you? And especially no. to Yoshihashi. No, exactly, and. He came out with the balloons, <laughs> t-shirt. He was doing the reverse of Kenny Omega, wasn't he? He was just oh. like, yeah. It, it's funny, It's funny, isn't it? The amount of people 
who, you know, we went to those Strong Style Evolved UK shows, you were like, oh, Okada, just, he wasn't up for it, I, I can't believe it, you know, we, we paid for, <laughs> uh, Okada, Okada, I don't know what was up with Okada, and it's like, there were suspicions that it was a character that he was playing, but if you had any doubt, yeah, it, it, it's fully locked in now, isn't it? Um, yeah. But it, I suppose, I mean, as much as I'm saying I didn't buy Yoshihashi, and I can't see more losses for Okada. Maybe the part of that is the fact that it is Yoshihashi. At least there is this degree of vulnerability to Okada, and we're all gonna lose our shit, aren't we? When he when he turns it round properly and becomes uh, yes. the rainmaker that we all know. Yeah, when that happens, it's gonna be absolutely incredible. It's it's gonna be great for that. I mean, I said it last week. I was a bit wary about this is the kind of storyline that normally it feels like they would have spent like a good year doing mm. as opposed to the bit of time between just Dominion and the end of G1 possibly having him come through as like by the time he's in the G1 final, would he be back to his normal self? That would be kind of what you'd want to see. I think obviously. you want to be careful with it though as well, don't you? Because yeah. I think like I said before, I think the longer you go with it it's not doing damage he's still okada we're all gonna forget about this run in, in a couple of months and talk about how yeah. genius it was but you also don't want to go too long with it do you you kind of it's a nice little thing to do for a g1 and for a couple of months but i do wonder if it, if it went longer whether there'd be actual damage done to uh to okada I, yeah it's a difficult one to tell i just don't think uh, I wouldn't take it beyond the G1 at this point. I think I think you've got your nice self-enclosed storyline that works for this, but I wouldn't go anything beyond that. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So I guess it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Um, elsewhere on this day, on day nine, uh, let's get back to our Jay White talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the match with Bad Luck Farley, you alluded to it earlier, JP. This was oh, this is New Zealand versus New Zealand. This was this match was my fe- my theory from week one in person. I I've nailed. I've gone fully in with this conspiracy theory that Jay White's going to turn out to be the the brains behind uh, this bad luck Farley and Tamatonga fashion faction, and he's going to be Finn Balor for 2018. He's going to be Fergal Devitt. Um, I almost thought going in. I mean, you shouldn't ever rule anything out. So maybe I don't know, but I I kind of thought, well, mate, what if what if Farley lays down for Jay White, and then my genius idea of this booking (laughs) is all going to come to fruition? But yeah, maybe maybe New Japan would never go that far. Um, They had a match, and it was probably the worst match of the G One so far. Yeah, up there. I mean, I like that Jay White. Similar to the Minoru Suzuki match, I like that he's he's almost fallen to the heels, isn't he? He lost the Minoru Suzuki. People were questioning where Jay White's we said it, where Jay White's loss is gonna come from. Yeah. And it came it came to two heels, two bigger, older, more bully style heels. So I kinda like he's you know shithead Columbine Jay White is kind of you know <laughs> in the seniority contest he's quite low down the totem pole, so it makes sense that he's using to these these bigger heels, but it was just a mess of a match. It was Tongan interference mixed with Jay White low blows. The two worst things yeah. about this G1 all together in one match with a with a ref shoes bumped red shoes bumped to 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 add to it as well. Just I don't know. Would you go as far as that as, as worst match of the tournament, JP? I would absolutely definitely. It was <laughs> and and it was just sort of fucking around on the outside as well. Um, oh, I was. I've, I kind of dismayed because I kind of thought that an interesting match here would have been... I just thought Farlow was actually just going to end up killing him. Mm. 
like in a sense that kind of would have been the one to do where he just sort of realized he's kind of outgunned here and that pulling the ref isn't going to work and then you set him up quickly with mate obviously there would be some tangaloa interference but it was just something about it it, it just it was like the worst aspects of things I've disliked in this G1. Mm. Just, oh, not being there. I, I think with just the fact that Tamatonga wasn't there, mm. didn't come out in this one. Uh, you know, uh, it was small mercies. Yeah, that was basically it. That, that was possibly the high point, that his absence. <laughs> it's one of those matches, though, isn't it? I was watching it going, we had that great moment with Red Shoes giving the, the double fingers. Yeah. Um, probably the best double fingers of the G1, as we talked about. But yeah. why in this match, why would he count? Like, he gets knocked down and then he comes back. It's clear there's been shenanigans going on and he counts. And it's just yeah. that undercutting of New Japan refs that always happens. I almost thought we were we turned the corner with that, with, with Red Shoes not taking any more of their bullshit in week one and, and actually calling for a DQ. Yeah. But it was just back to more of the same, wasn't it? And I thought, oh, excellent. That's the story. That works really well then in that case because it's like, okay, and then Jay, you know, Jay White's going to almost get found out mm. because the referees are going to be taking a... a stronger stance and so will the and so will the tongans that effectively the the referees come out looking credible mm. but nah none of that <laughs> none of that happened at all Indeed. oh it was it was it was just bad at least we got it out of the way jp we've got yeah, two more weeks done. and at least the jay white and the tongan shenanigans will most likely be in uh, in different matches um i mean to talk some more positives of the A Block Day Nine, it wasn't the the worst day. It was oh, just no. a bit bland. Uh, I did enjoy. I mean, Michael a bit like Elgin, Day Seven, would you say? A bit like every A Block Day, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I heard people talking about it as the worst day of the tournament, but I did really enjoy Michael Elgin and Minoru Suzuki. That's what maybe what what stops me saying that. I think maybe it was just the fact that I enjoy Minoru Suzuki calling Michael Elgin a crap pig bastard in the uh, in the bill. Yeah, uh, it just that got me into it, and like I say. Elgin's been consistent throughout. Okay, it was a, it wasn't a blowaway heavyweight match, but I thought it was a, it was a good match and, and one of the better matches of, of the A block. I don't know if that's damning praise. Oh yeah, good solid G one match mm. is what this is. It was a good solid G one match. There was nothing about it that sort of felt like it was out of place necessarily. Mm. Um, obviously, they played in the fact about um, Elgin's arm as well. Um, and I, I kind of I, that for me feels like the stuff they've played with the arm is telegraphing where Elgin is by the end of this tournament, hmm. which is going to be fascinating to see where where he is in there. Because interesting to see what they think of him, Mona, to see yeah. where he ends up points wise because he's right in the middle of the pack right now on four points, uh, maybe just the lower end of the middle ends of the pack, but. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they they don't bring him over to America anymore, uh, or at least they didn't on the last tour. Uh, I, I don't know what the what the the New Japan brass's thoughts are on Michael Elgin. Maybe it'll be telling. Yeah, yeah, it'd be an interesting one. I mean, but the guy can wrestle. Mm, definitely, he definitely, have really good matches. I mean, someone we also haven't mentioned really at all for like two podcasts. <laughs> I know where you <laughs> going. Should mention uh, Evil, <laughs> the biggest, J- the biggest evil fan in the world, JP Houlihan. Uh, money, come on, JP. Quite. This is this is your, your format. Go for it. He had a match with Adam Page. He had a match with Adam Page, and it was fine. <laughs> um, that's primarily. Oh, no. It's it's been a shame for me because I I enjoyed Evil in last year's G One. I think Sonada's kind of having the G One that Evil had last year. Mm. Where where he's coming out with, I mean, I know obviously he hasn't won all of his kind of big matches, but he's coming out 
looking like a kind of big star, whereas evil needs someone good to be in there with to have good matches. Mm-hmm. And this was fine, but you could also kind of tell at this stage it was very much a match that both him and Paige were kind of getting through mm. and that they're tired and the, you know, they're at that point where, you know, the, the, the bodies are really starting to feel it because, and they haven't even hit August by this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, I can appreciate that it's a match where, I mean, obviously Adam Page is desperate for a win <laughs> and I like that element of it. And I do think evil as, I mean, maybe the reason we don't talk about him so much is he has these great matches, but there's just something about him that's so inaccessible to me. It's the it's the character, it's the the dopey cloak, and the just the the the, the general, just the, the the magic staff, and he's just not for me. He, he just looks yeah. like a. I mean, maybe every October the gimmick works, but year round he just looks like <laughs> such a dick. He's he's someone who I've heard. You know, when people talk about Jay White and say he'll grow into the character, this will be a main event role. People kind of say that about Evil as well. You know, Evil was given this shitty gimmick. His name is Evil for one thing, yes. um, and he'll grow into it and he'll become a main eventer. But I don't see it. The gimmick's still just not good. He, he really, if he wants to go anywhere, I think, in this company, he's gonna well, anywhere further in this company, if he's gonna eclipse being maybe the number two or number three guy in LIG. LIG, sorry, it needs to go. Hmm. I And do you know what the thing is? If you watch the G1 press conferences and some of the kind of earlier times where they've done various kind of external events, you put him in a suit with like Sonata, who's kind of got wacky fashion sense. I say wacky, he's got very yeah. cool fashion sense. Um, he Like, that for me is the kind of role for him. Mm. Like lose the makeup and the cloak and the staff. And it's, I'm not saying like, it makes him sound like Chono 2018, <laughs> but something along those lines might be the better kind of fit for him. Mm. Um, and for someone who is called evil, uses the word evil all the time. He really doesn't do anything that's evil. Everything is evil, JP. It's Well, I mean, that's a very Sylvia Plath way. finisher is evil, JP. Um, yeah. He's a very evil man. <laughs> Something's lost in translation, isn't it? Though? It really is. <laughs> I mean, before we, we wrap up on, on the A block then, I mean, the other match was Tanahashi and Makabe. As we talked about Makabe, not the, not the sexiest match. Almost feels like yeah. another New Japan was kind of my main note on that one. Just They've got the history. Um, yes. Back when Makabe was a bit younger and Tanahashi was a bit younger, they've had some great matches in New Japan. Um, two, the two most famous guys on the roster as well, uh, but not a huge amount to say on this one. Uh, any closing thoughts on that or on the A block as a whole? I I noted down here it was it was the clash of sort of TV versus film <laughs> with the amount of trailers we've seen for my dad is a heel wrestler. <laughs> um, it, it 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 was yeah you you you've kind of hit the nail on the head with the thought of it feels like another New Japan. It feels like New Japan 2005. <laughs> you know, it's going it's going back into kind of the the annals as much as anything else. When they were, you know, when the company was on its ass and they were two of the the sort of proponents of leading it to the place where it is now. Mm. Um, it was fine. It was again a match that kind of would I would imagine it worked really well with a with a live Japanese audience mm. and and they enjoy it and i think for that reason it made me enjoy it a bit more but it was a match i kind of glazed over at times i think it sums up the a block really doesn't it as a whole yeah. um we got off lightly this week jp and there'll only be in two a block shows we've got oh. three next week so uh... <laughs> if only for joe to review them that, that would be it 
That's it. We need him back for that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, I almost uh, dread to ask then, JP, as we did in week one, we should uh, go through what our, our highlight and, and low light of the week oh. is for, for for the blocks as a whole. Um, let's start with, uh, I'll go first on a on a highlight. I think it's hard to look anywhere other than Kota, Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii. I think they're... Mm-hmm. We've lauded a lot of praise on them, and I think they are the absolute... I think they're the standouts. It's hard to be a standout in that B-block. As I mentioned, Naito is someone who should be a standout, but because it's so stacked, um, he's going a little bit below the radar. Uh, Kenny's obviously got a lot of uh, pressure on him uh, in the group to deliver big matches, but again, I don't think him or Naito have delivered a match as good as as Ibushi and Ishii did uh, in in this week. So that's definitely my highlight. Uh, How about you? I would say the highlight, I'm just going to put Ishii Mm. into the category of just thinking of the three matches that he he had Mm. um, with Goto, Ibushi and Zack. All great. Fair I mean, I, I would go with Ibushi, Ibushi Ishii as the best of those three. Mm. And that's saying a lot because I love Goto Ishii. <laughs> but um, he is someone who, the day when he retires, if we can ever imagine that taking place, um, he's someone who needs to be sort of recognised as mm. just like part of the reason why the company has kind of hit the heights where it is now. Not in the kind of obvious sense, but this is a guy who just gives you great matches, great drama. Um, I always feel invested in his matches, and he's someone who you we pay money to see him. Mm. I mean, he was a big part of the reason why, you know, when that match was announced for Manchester for Strong Style uh, Evolved UK, that was, you know, him versus Suzuki was a big reason for that. So having to see... Three matches like that, mm. just incredible. Definitely, definitely a shout for him being the best in the world. I think at this point, or at least, yeah, very much in the conversation. As much as you know, Omega and Okada will dominate match for match. Ishii's got to be up there. Um, as far I mean, I, I wanted to say as well. I mean, this isn't a highlight or a low light, but I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to Yoshihashi. I was very mean to him in week one, and in this <laughs> week two, I tell you what, that Elgin match was solid, and the Okada match was solid. So he's definitely not going to be my low like this week. I think uh, below like this week, and it, it might repeat later in the tournament. Just the Tongan stuff again. Uh, not to harp on about it too much, but again, Tamatonga and his daft T-shirt and. Even yep. like like we say, having matches with a Zach, that match with Zack Saber Jr. One thing we didn't say was like there was a point where after all the daft interference, they went to him trying to hit a gun stun, and Zack Saber managed to grab the arm and get and it it looked like he was about to tap out Tamatonga, and that's when Fale came in for the DQ, and it was like that was actually a really good finish. Just leave it at that. Let let Zack Saber get the tap out. He's going to get the points either way. Why does it have to be via DQ? And that just sums the Tongans up. Um, the, yep. the poison in both of these groups. I mean, maybe that's strong words, but mainly the, the, the Tama stuff in the B block and the Fale stuff in the A block. It's just, it's bad stuff all in all. So yeah, definitely my, my low light of week two is, is the Tongan stuff and I don't see it ending anytime soon. How about you, JP? Um, I'm struggling at thinking anything else that isn't, that doesn't involve Tangaloa Tamatonga or Farley. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. I, I I would just actually say the low light was just the Jay White bad luck Farley match mm, in general. Match, I, yeah. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Some <laughs> I've seen some people who've got very good opinions sort of say, ah, it's not that bad and you know, obviously, you know, very subjective. But Jesus, on a personal level, I hated it. 
No, can't argue with that too much, JP. But <laughs> I suppose, yeah, we'll just count our blessings. That there's G1 going on. At least Ibushi, Ishii, Omega, all those guys, they're killing it. Even Michael Elgin. We've got loads and loads of positives. Yeah. Um, that's just the the unfortunate negative that seems to be uh, blighting this, uh, this, this otherwise fantastic tournament. I would say a negative. I haven't seen a UK release date for my dad is a heel wrestler because I do actually oh. really want to see this. I'm going to pay you money for it as well. I mean, there'll be a torrent, but yeah. it's not the same, is it? You want to? I'd love to go to the cinema and see uh, see that, that that Hiroshi Tanahashi those long flowing locks in in oh, a big yeah. IMAX screen. Imagine it, JP. It'd be great. Ah, it'd be awesome. I'll be <laughs> yeah, definitely going. To, I don't care how bad it is. I'll be there. <laughs> definitely me too well yeah that pretty much uh, brings us to an end for week two uh, as i mentioned we'll be back with a uh, week three review uh next week next sunday again uh ready for for monday morning for for your commute once again but in the meantime uh, jp we're going to be back uh, midweek uh joe's still going to be away but we're going to fill in and uh, and do another uh, one of our spotlight shows uh we're going to catch up with uh, a lot of things that we've been watching outside of the g1 uh british mm. wrestling based uh, i mean another thing that's going to be dropping into the indie corner feed jp is you and uh you and joe managed to get yourselves to the premiere of itv world of sport midweek so i'm yeah. excited to, to hear how that went and you got some uh, some good content while you were there yeah we did yeah we managed to speak to uh lots of members of the cast and crew who were there as well um obviously at the point of recording this we've kind of had uh the first episode come out and and uh, many of the reviews are out there so it's going to be interesting for people to see what it was like because a lot of the cast they themselves hadn't seen it so this was the first time they were there so part of when we were watching it is you're kind of almost watching their reactions as well and thinking okay this is interesting um so yeah we got interviews with doug williams uh with kip sapien and yestin reese shah samuels nathan cruz socal val adam maxstead um yeah so we've we've got those together and we'll be putting them up on there and then yeah midweek we'll be talking probably a bit more detail definitely yeah so midweek you'll be able to catch us with a with a what you've been watching show uh, as jp said we'll uh, talk some of that stuff we'll talk some progress uh i'll hmm. go in a little bit to my, my trips to uh tuesday night graps uh which i, I went to uh, since we last recorded a, a spotlight show and we'll also have andy ogden come drafted in again to give us a bit of a preview of big shows going on in the northwest particularly the uh the big future shock and uh, pcw anniversary shows coming up so definitely Can we talk anniversary as well Oh, I mean, it's not it's not Brit Res, it's not Indies, but yeah, I reckon, JP, I think we'll Good. stick with that in one. We can't help ourselves. Yeah. We managed to go a whole New Japan show and not really bring up TNA, but yeah, I think we'll we'll have to make room for that as well. It's, it's good. We're doing a What We've Been Watching show, JP, and yeah. we've been watching it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, you know, if, if there was ever a point in... They might be owned by a, a megalomaniac corporation, but... They can. They're a bit indie slammer uh, TNA. They're a little bit, you know, the way that the show is presented and the, you know the the wrestlers that they use. I still think they count. So yeah, I think we can yeah. make an excuse to include them. Good stuff. Looking awesome. forward to that. Good stuff. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E and JP. You find me at JP Jippy Three E's. Awesome. Uh, you can find uh, Joe on Twitter at Lemsip. How many P's? Three, four. Four P's. Four P's. There we go. Yep. You can find Joe uh, on Twitter there. And like I say, uh, keep an eye out for a special spotlight, what we've been watching episode midweek. And we'll be back next week with more G1. And we'll talk week three of the tournament. That's it for today. And uh, bye for now. Bye. Cheers. And you-